Welcome back to Awkward Insurance. We are so excited to have you all here and so excited to see you on the Awkward Insurance Facebook page too. Let's just jump right in because I'm just so excited all the time and you guys hear it all the time. So let's jump right in. Ashley, how are you doing today? I am doing fantastic. We are on the lunch break right now of our very first virtual CIC course of the year here at OIA and knock on wood somewhere. First, vir- okay. Wait, what? We've been like virtual since 2020. <laughs> yeah, I know, but we've been partnering with we've been partnering graciously with Pennsylvania since I started and took over this role because we didn't have the capacity to run it ourselves. So this is the first year that I'm actually running a virtual CIC course in our brand new learning portal nonetheless. Oh, so how's it going? So you're doing the web coordinator thing? Yep. And everything is going really well. I had a really fun opening this morning. It was playing music and doing a scroll through with slides and Everyone got into the learning portal okay. Everybody's been answering 100% of the polls with no technical issues. Like, I I don't know what's going on. Everything's going pretty smooth. Congratulations. Which course? It is the CIC commercial property. Taylor, you have CIC behind your name. I do. Have you taken that one? I did. It was pretty tough. It was brutal. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) How long have you had your CIC? I got it February of last year. So. Okay, so all that stuff is still really fresh in your head. Fairly, yeah. I It took me probably longer than most. It took me like almost four years to complete all five. That's okay. Yeah. You have five years to complete That's... it. So four years is ahead of the game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So was the year that you took two courses, was that like, ooh, this is too much. I would never want to do that. It again. was a lot. I mean, and I can't, I can't lie. I didn't pass them all. So I had to take a few extras to get through them. But um, yeah, I took, there was once I took, I think three in one year. I did two back to back. Well, now that we have an expanded window where you can take the exam in like a week and, and give yourself some time to study, that's helping a lot. Why do you think you didn't pass the first couple? I was just so new. I got thrown into it like three months into being in insurance. So, so you're literally the poster child for here's your desk. Have fun. Yep. And my father-in-law is like, <laughs> I didn't even know how to spell the word insurance. And he's like, your father-in-law did it oh, to yeah. you? I saw that, that you're a part of your in-laws agency, correct? You said, in this, you said that you actually like working with your in-laws. I do. That is- It's a weird thing. That is so precious. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yeah. So, and he loves you so much that he thought he would just, baptism by fire, oh. here's your desk cap. Oh, yeah. I Before even starting, they threw me in the producer school through National Alliance. I did that. And then he said, okay, great. You finished that. You come in and start working. I was a CSR in the beginning. And- Three months in, and he said, okay, you're going to take your first CIC class. I, knew, I knew nothing about it, knew nothing what it was. He said, it's the commercial of property, and good luck. And I got to the class, and it was like German or another language. Like I didn't know what I was listening to. I knew nothing about it. I was sitting there through the whole class, like so overwhelmed. I got to the test. I was like, I don't know any of these answers. So I failed that one because I just, I was so new. I mean... That's, uh, that's understandable. I'm sitting here, th- like after what I listened to today, and I'm in the insurance industry for 13, 14 years now, yeah. like, granted, I was only half paying attention. I don't know that I would pass the test. I mean, it's something right. that you really have to, it's not like, yeah, I've done personal lines, or I've done commercial lines. So I can only imagine after 13 years, if I'd be sweating it out, how you would feel after three months and be like, oh, okay, yeah. maybe we should have started with like CISR or something. <laughs> right. And I did a little bit of that in, in the producer school. But it was not, wasn't nearly like this. And I was just like, whoa. And he kind of chuckled about it and was just like, yeah, these aren't easy. But I knew that you would be good at it. And I was like, well, not, I wasn't that good. <laughs> like, and so I did take a little break because I was like kind of discouraged. I was like, I don't think I'm ready for this. 
So it took me, I waited like six, eight months to do the next one. And then I passed that one and I was like, oh, this is it, you know? And then I did. You got the hang of it. Yeah. And then one (laughs) of them I failed is because I was commuting from home. You didn't try to take the test on the road. No, because it was all in person. It was all at the class. That's masterful. (laughs) But I wasn't studying because I'd come home and I had a little baby at home. So I was like, I'd come home, we'd eat. I wouldn't have much time to study. And then I'd go back for the next day. The rest of them, I had to stay in the hotel. I had a hotel room. I was like, I'm going to lock myself in this. I'm going to study for two days. And then that really helped me like pass those because I just had to study. I'm just not a good school person. And so it was just like, I really had to work extra hard to pass those. So, yeah. Okay. So you took those. You also said that you did the producer training, which I think is called the dynamics of selling is what it is. And I, I honestly don't know a whole lot about how you like Oh, that. it was fabulous. Um, I don't know if they still have it how I, when I did it back in 2015, but it was basically, it was like two weeks and I stayed in the hotel and it was a bunch of new producers or agents. They were all at different agencies and stuff. And it was fabulous. I learned so much as like just the basics of selling. And I, it was with Jeff Wodica and he was awesome. He, I learned so much from him. You know, they helped me figure out a niche, figure out how to put up together apps, like, there was so much to it that really kind of gave me the base knowledge of like how to be a producer because I knew nothing again. And it was, it was really good. I really enjoyed it. That's awesome. So, so technically it wasn't, here's your desk, have fun. They did try to put you through some they level did. of training. <laughs> yeah. They just <laughs> threw me in the CIC early good. on and they were like, good luck. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. good. That's really interesting. That's funny how that conversation just evolved and how you went into your CIC and then the the dynamics of selling because now we have a a new opportunity that's that Meg McKean partnered with us on and it's producer coaching. And so oh. it's brand new, just started and I'm really excited about that. I kind of wish I was producer now, but that's okay. So we just kind of jumped into that by accident. It was a total accident. So let's go ahead and introduce <laughs> who we're even talking to because all I said was just so Taylor, <laughs> so I'm really excited that we have Taylor Garcia with us today. This podcast has been a minute in the making. We've had so many scheduling snafus. It's not even funny. I think 2022 or 2023, Jesus, I'm not even in the right year, just kind of started off in a weird kind of way. Yeah, so you first reached out to me on Instagram, I think, which I'm currently sucking at, by the way. And when I was like, oh, we've got to get back to Taylor. I want to talk to Taylor. I went to Instagram and it was just like other user, like you had totally disappeared. I was like, what did I do? Does he not? I think I can answer the mystery. I think I can answer the mystery. (laughs) What's the mystery? Is this because I bet it was so long ago, Taylor has combined his personal and professional accounts into one to make it more personable towards both his clients and his friends. Bingo. Okay. So I must not be friends with your other profile. That may be. I must have just been friends with your professional (laughs) profile and we're not on a personal basis. That's okay. That's okay. It's okay. We might need to dive into that in a minute about why you decided to to combine those two. If we get there, we will. If we don't, we don't. But you're also the vice president at Jackson and Jackson Insurance Agents and Brokers. Did I get all that right? Yep. With a focus in commercial insurance, but you wear a few other hats too. You're really big into media and branding. I think you even might have referred to yourself as a geek. I'm a geek geek in that that area. area. Yeah. (laughs) And you have a side hustle in photography and videography as well. I think I've seen more of that lately. Your marketing, your photography and videography stuff. 
which is really fun to have a passion. Is that a passion project for you? Or is that like legit, we're going to get this off the ground and make something out of it? You know, it's funny because that was supposed to just be a side passion thing. And it was like, I started with just taking photos of my friend's stuff or like the families we had. I started actually with bands. I was doing photos for bands and it kind of gravitated towards, I had some friends that had families and they were like, hey, can you take photos for my family? I was like, yeah, sure. And then it was like, I had a baby. Do you do newborn photos? I'm like, never done it, but I can try. Hard. And and then it just naturally, then my wife joined in and she was, she was like, I want to help you with this because she was great at like the posing and handling the babies and doing all that. And so I was like, awesome. Like you do all that. I'll just take the photos. And so it just took off. I mean, we weren't advertising it. We weren't promoting it really. I mean, a little bit here and there, but not much. And it was just word of mouth. Then we started doing it. We got asked to do weddings and then we were doing like big things. And so the last couple of years, like I think this past year, we did like 40 shoots in like three months. And I told my wife, I was like, I either need to like slow down or like we need to do this like because it was taking up. It was hard to juggle both the agency plus this. And it was turning into this beast. And I was like, wow. And then a lot of people started then asking me to do video because they were watching my videos. And they were like, can you help me with my videos? And I was like, sure. And then I just realized I wasn't sleeping because I was editing till <laughs> three or four <laughs> in the morning. And I was like, okay. Um, so I have kind of taken a step back a little bit on that. Um, I'm being a little more selective on who we help on that end because I was like, I just can't do it all. You know what? Take photography and videography out of that entire conversation and insert insurance. And literally the conversation is the same about anybody who jumps into insurance, especially as like a scratch startup agency, if you go that route rather than, you know, taking the CSR to produce it, the yada yada sure. route. But like you jump in and then somebody's like, hey, since you're in insurance, would you do mine? And you're like, yeah, sure. And then your spouse is like, looks like you're having fun. Can I help you? And you're like, yeah, okay. And so they come over and then you start doing this. And you're like, hey, I'm pretty good at personal lines. Why don't we add commercial to it or vice versa, whichever you started with. And you're like, yeah, I'm doing good at that. Well, as long as you're doing that, let's add the niche of trucking. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and then eventually you realize your agency has gotten so sporadic and you've got no focus. Right. And you've grown to this point where you're like, okay. Now it's time to take a pause yep. and center ourselves and decide what we want to be selective about, because that's what a lot of producers do anyways, is they're so hungry to get anything, even if they're not running the agency. They're so hungry to get anything that they take everything. And then they realize there is really crappy business out there that you don't want to take. Yeah. And so there comes a point where you're like, all right, I think I've earned enough that now I'm okay with losing some and gaining the right type of business. So that's the whole time that you were talking yeah. about photography. I was like, that's applicable to internet. Right. And so is that. <laughs> and that is too. <laughs> no, absolutely. But I just love how that went. I agree 100%. And, you know, it was like maybe because we, were char we weren't charging a lot because it wasn't our full-time jobs and it, you know, but it, I related to insurance absolutely because I was in that boat where even we have a couple new producers that are just writing everything under the sun. But now we're seeing some of them a couple months in cancel and he's writing stuff that maybe isn't as profitable or they're kind of a pain in the butt client or whatever it is. And I told him, I said, I get it. I've been there of like, you, you, it doesn't matter what you write. Like, I just want it all. And then you realize after a year or two in, you got this huge book of people that are maybe falling through the cracks or they're, you're chasing payments or you're, you know, you have one, one policy with them and they won't give you anything else. And it's just like, okay. So I've had those times. And I'm at the point now, thankfully, where I did kind of look at my book and I was like, okay, I'm going to piece this out and kind of just keep the ones that are profitable. Cause it was a small percentage was 
what is it they say like 80% of your revenue is 20% of your clients so that was like absolutely true yes. for me like I looked at it and I was like oh wow there's a big chunk that I had small little policies that were eating up a ton of my time you know absolutely it's going to be fascinating when you come back like a few years from now and talk to that producer and see how their opinion has changed on how they approach things you know, we talk about this all the time about how you are hungry for all of that business in the beginning. And it doesn't matter what it is, you just want to get it. But then you look back five years later, and you're like, okay, and you know, with my, uh, I talk about like dating your clients, like, would you would you want to go on a date with them? Would you want to sit down at family dinner with them? If, if the answer is no, then probably not your kind of client. <laughs> right? Absolutely. And it just makes your job better. If you're like the clients you're helping, you know, exactly. Cause you don't want to, I, I have, I had those where I get a call and I'm like, Oh gosh, it's so-and-so calling like, Oh no, I don't want to talk to him. So that 80, 20 rule, do you actually know what that principle is called? I don't. I've just heard, a, I've just heard a few people talk about it and I started to like evaluate my own stuff. And I was like, wow, that's really true. It is an 80, 20 rule. It's called the Pareto principle. It's P R uh, P A R E T O principle. I had to look it up because I don't spell very well. <laughs> but yeah, it's an 80, 20 rule. But for anybody that's listening, I, I want to kind of expand on that just a little bit since you kind of touched on it. It doesn't have to be 80, 20. So it's like 20% of your book is 80% of the business is 80% of the revenue. You've got to figure out what that niche is. Right. And if you've got like a wide spray though, if you start looking into your book and you find out that you've got a 50-50, 50% of your book is 50% of your business, you want to try and figure out how to rein that in so that you can focus on that little niche that you've got going on or pick a niche that that gets you there. And then from there, once you figure out what your 80-20 is, you can start to figure out your levels of customer service because the customer service that you provide to high net worth or ultra high net worth or maybe even high value market is not the same type of service that you're going to try and give to somebody who's a one-off auto policy that's not connected to a parent account. You're not going to handhold them through billing. You're, whereas that high net worth or ultra high net worth, whatever, you're going to be like, oh yes, let me walk you through your billing right now and figure everything out for you. If you'll give me the numbers, I'll make the payment myself. <laughs> you know, whatever. You're going to handhold them a little bit more. So that's what that's what that is. I was just curious if you knew what the, the principle is. There's a lot out there. I think when I was in personal lines, mine was more like a 70-30 split when we started digging into it a little bit more. Interesting. And I will hold that close and dear to my heart forever and preach it to every person yeah. that ever crosses my path in terms of segmenting your book of business, not just necessarily that you need to pick a niche, but that you need to have segments of customer service levels so that you know all of your clients deserve customer service, but they may need a different level. Right. I absolutely believe that. And I, I, I was told that from when I very, in the very beginning, you have to walk away from some of them. If they're not willing to work with you yes. and provide you what you need to do your job, you got to say no. And ah, man, it was really hard to do. I, I was still like, even yeah. though they weren't giving me what they were paying or what their policies were or any of the information I needed, I was still trying to make it work. And then I realized I got the quote and then they ended up going somewhere else. And my father-in-law was like, told you, if they're not willing to work with you on this, then may not be, you know, worth, worth the time. 
Oh my gosh. So when we first connected, you were interested in talking about, you were like, Hey, let's talk about a 2020 marketing strategy. I'm like, uh, dude, it's the end of 2020. What's your 2023 marketing (laughs) strategy? Let's go into the future here. And not only that, I don't know if you know a whole lot about what we focus on with the awkward insurance podcast, but there are so many podcasts out there for producery types and decision maker types that the account managers and those in the in the agency that are not traditional decision makers or are viewed as traditional decision makers, they often don't get pulled into those marketing strategies. And they're just sitting there doing the work that results from the marketing strategy, where if they knew what was going on, maybe they could contribute to it too and make it even better. So that's kind of, I'm hoping where we can go today. If not, we can go wherever you want to go. No, we could go. Yeah, you you tell me. I I there's a lot of marketing stuff that you know we do try to include the team, as much as they hate it when I walk out. Like there's that re- I see on social media. There's a reel of like the marketing person comes in with like a ring light and their camera, and everyone kind of rolls their eyes. It's exactly who who I am. Like I walk out with the camera. I'm like, all right, guys. Like I have an idea for this, this, and this. And it's not really for social media. It's more for like to our clients. And they're like, oh, okay. Some there's a few people that are like, no, like I don't want to do it, and I don't make them. But there's a few people that I'm like, I, I think this could really help, you know? So So what is the Jackson and Jackson insurance agents and brokers marketing strategy? Um, it's a lot of it is okay, so I am starting a podcast with interviewing local business owners, and I'm gonna kinda segue that into our agency and like Drop talk your about podcast name. <laughs> Go ahead. What's the name of the podcast? Yeah, I just started it. It's a BYOB, but it's Bring Your Own Business Podcast. And I'm just going to be talking to sales professionals. I'm talking to lenders. I'm talking to the local people in town, just like what they're doing to highlight them, you know, bring them in and kind of show them what we do and kind of relate back and forth. So I am looking forward to that. It is, I'm trying to keep it local so that there is that aspect of, of it. But a big part of my marketing is the customer experience side. So like a lot of the videos I'm doing, it's onboarding. Hey, I send them a video. Welcome to the family. Like, you know, this is who we are. And that's where I say I try to include my team with like a piece of video is showing them, you know, this is our commercial CSR. This is who this is. This is who that is. Our receptionist is this. And I try to like include everyone. So each person that gets onboarded, each person that we write, it's I, I'm trying to make it more of an experience than it is just like, hey, OK, here's your policy. And we get some people that don't even interact at, at all. Like I'll send it and I don't even hear back, but I'm like, OK whatever. But then I do get paid people that are like, wow, like I've never seen this before. And you know, I'm like, thanks. Yeah. Like all my proposals are all video. I do it all on video. I'm, I'm, I'm sharing my screen. I'm going over the quotes. I'm doing it all there so they, they can share it around and I can I like that. Yeah. And you know what, before we even go further, because if somebody follows like your videos online are really good, like you have this stuff down, you get it. So for the, for the agents that are listening going, yeah, I follow Taylor or I follow somebody else that does videos. Like I can't make things that nice. I'm telling you right now, it's so just for a video proposal, it's so easy to simply go to loom.com and do a video quote proposal. And it, it, I think you can get it for free. You can do X amount for free each month. Yeah. And Canva, Canva will make you look like a rock star. If you just go on, you can get the free version. You can record yourself in the bottom doing everything. So like, seriously, you just, you got to start and you got to take a half hour, you know, every other day to just play around in there and you will get it down. It's so easy. Oh yeah. Okay. I feel like that. I feel like that's a bit misleading. And let me tell you why. Okay. I use Loom 
and it does not take me 30 minutes. It takes me like two hours of five minute clips to go, oh my God, what did I just do with my face? <laughs> well, you gotta, and start all over. No, well, you just have to not watch your face. The 30 minute time frame is not accurate. <laughs> all right. Well, don't overthink it. Like just yeah. talk as though you're talking to a client, you know, don't look at yeah. yourself in the camera just look at the screen and say, Hey, we're going to go over your policy. Here we go. Here's what I quoted you. And don't, yep. don't look at yourself or Hey, shut your camera off. You can do that and just like record your voice over it. But I mean, it's better to have the camera on. It does get easier. I promise. Like in the beginning. Yeah, it is harder and it takes longer because you have to do it a few times. Cause I realized I said the wrong thing or I stumbled or I rambled on on the same topic for way too long. And I'm like, okay, this is, this is not good. So I restart it. And so like, for the for the first like year of doing it, it, it it was difficult, you know. I was like, I had a really hard time in the beginning because I stutter a lot, and so one thing that always my whole life I've been teased about stuttering my entire life because I just it was really hard for me to talk. Like I couldn't say a sentence without it, and so even now, like I, I do a video and I stutter through it, and I'm like, oh god, I sound that's bad. And um, but over time, it got better and better, and I feel a little more comfortable on the camera and the more I do it. And that's what I tell people. Every, everyone sees what I have and they're like, I want to create content, but I don't have all that stuff. I'm like, you don't need it. I just have it because I like this stuff. You know, like take your phone. If you want to make a social media post, take your phone out and just do it. Or if like, like Ash is saying, like use Loom or Vidyard or any of these other softwares that there's a free version and you can record your screen and hey, hey, John, my name's Taylor. Here's your quote, yeah. you know, and I, I'll tell you, my closing ratio skyrocketed when I started doing that. Yeah, because everybody loves it. Even here at the National Alliance, I'll use Loom to communicate with the faculty members that teach the courses that we have, mm. particularly if there's something that I need them to see on the screen, and they love it. It says a lot about your clients, too, though. Like it's an e it's, It helps with E&O, because if you sent it, you can see like, oh, hey, I sent Taylor this quote. And he clicked on it and watched it for 30 seconds, got out of it and then said, nope, I don't have any questions. Well, all right, you didn't watch the video and I have that documented, but or Taylor watched it 40 times and didn't reach out with questions. Hey, Taylor, saw you watch the video 40 <laughs> times. You just love insurance that much? Like it, it really it kind of helps facilitate that conversation of, hey, is there something maybe you're unsure of? Yeah, yeah. And the other side I get is like, which I'm sure a lot of people see it as is like, I'll talk to the wife of the homeowner, you know, and she's like, well, my husband's at work, but I'll talk to him when I get home. And I'm like, okay. And I'll go over it with her. But then I'm like, let me send you a video of me going over it. So then when he gets home, just pull it up and show him. And so he can watch it too. So then it's not her trying to explain the policy that she learned from me. And it, 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 it works out well. And both people, they always come out, they come back like, wow, thanks so much. And I see that they watched it twice. So I'm like, okay, they both watched it. Like, that's cool. And yeah, I get a lot of positive feedback from it. And there's people in our office, we have producers that don't want to do it that way. They're still adamant on going to the person's house, doing that. And I have a hard time like, okay, that's fine. You have your own ways, but I'm sure you, I see the success in this. I'm, you know, and so I am trying to push them in that way. Yeah. Well, I mean, everybody processes things in their own way. Everybody kind of works in their own way, even though you've got a process that works for you. Yeah. But clients, again, meeting them where they communicate too. Maybe, maybe the video thing may not work for somebody else. Okay. What other strategies do you have other than video? I mean, just, there's not a whole lot of like extravagant things as far as like, we still do the, the local community stuff, right? We're sponsoring the local stuff. We try to do an event at least once or twice a year at our office. So we have a pretty large office. We got a pretty large parking lot. 
and we're right on the corner of our pretty much in the main area of our town. So we, we try to do like a big Halloween trunk or treat. So the whole town comes out, parks their cars, and the kids can walk around and trick or treat that way. And the reason we started like that one was because my wife and I, like we have two little kids and our community is full of older people, 70 plus, I would say. So a lot of them aren't out. So my kids can't trick or treat in that neighborhood. So we're like, well, if we do like our own thing, it'll be fun for them. And so that's what we did. We decorate the office and, you know, we did, we have music on and we bring food and we order tacos or whatever it is that we want. We just bring a bunch of people. And then our church this year offered to sponsor it for this upcoming year to make it even bigger and have a bounce house and, you know, try to like make it a big thing. So we do try to do those. We'll, we'll get the in and out truck to come to our office and, hey, come on out. Let's have a conversation, you know, and you just come get food. You don't have to be anyone special. You just come on out. And so we're trying to do things like that because we have this location of where we are. It's like, might as well utilize the space. And so we're, we, we have been, since COVID, obviously, it, it really died off. We weren't doing that. And this is the first year. We did the trunk or treat this last year. Uh, but this year, we have a lot more plans of doing a few more. Um, we try to do one with the city of, or the chamber of commerce in town. They'll help us host one. And so we're doing all that stuff. But aside from that, I mean, there's not a whole lot. I mean, I, we're not really that fancy as far as like ads or like, a lot of like I tried the whole Facebook ad thing. It was just too overwhelming for me. Like I don't know that side of it very well. I'm not a ad so much. Like you can't keep up with the algorithms. As soon as you've got it figured out, it's something else happening. <laughs> right? Yeah. I tried it and I was like, yeah, this probably works for a lot of people. I I couldn't. And I was like, and I don't really feel the need to pay someone. I I didn't, you know. So we still do some old old school marketing and reaching out to prospects and, you know, doing that thing and that's what we're going to continue to do. You know, like, like, like you were saying, we have a couple producers that have different niches. And one of them say is a VFWs. He writes VFWs, American legions, and talks to all these old retired vets that go to these. Hey, okay. What is a VFW? So VFW is a place where like a retired vet can go and drink. Basically it's a little bar and the vets go and hang out there. And okay, you can. I'm glad you explained it that way because that's how I would. It was a total niche. I'm sorry, (laughs) I said it as if everyone knows what a VFW is. No, no, but I I mean, I knew what it was from like having them back home. But that's exactly how I would have explained it. And then I thought, oh man, what if it's like, what if I explain it wrong when I say it's a it's a bar where they could go drink? But I mean, I'm glad you said it too. So because I mean, that's what it is. Like I grew up no saying like knowing that. So I'm sure there's more to it, but. Yeah. And like for that one's really interesting because he's a part of the Eagles and it's basically like, you know, there's Moose Lodges and Elks Lodges and there's these different groups and it's the same concept, but they're the Eagles, the Fraternal Order of Eagles. And we insure about 500 of them around the country and they do a lot more than just have a bar so you drink. I mean, they like donate canine dogs to the police departments or donate flags to the cities and a lot of more American kind of stuff. Um, And we insure a ton of them, but they're all like, 70 plus old retired vets you know and they're we're not sending them a video proposal (laughs) like he's talking to them or going into there having a drink with them and like doing it that way and he is also the producer is a big part of it as well so that's how so when you were saying that like it depends on the demo like who the producer's demographic is i'm like oh yeah because i couldn't get that producer to send him videos they would be like what am i watching (laughs) you know (laughs) so we all kind of do things a little differently but i think the biggest thing is just Doing, doing all the social, social media work is really working for us. 
Google is really helping us out. Our website, I'm keeping, I try to keep that up, up to date. We get a lot of stuff through there. Basically, I think like I was always told was not one thing is just going to work. So do a bunch of things. So I'm like, I'll be in the community. I'll do the Chamber of Commerce, which is kind of old school networking. I'll do BNI. I'll do all these different groups. But then I'll also be posting videos on the regular and still cold, all cold call. You know, now I'm focusing more on the larger businesses. So I do still reach out in the old school ways of like calling an old, a bigger, larger business. But yeah, it's just a little bit of it all, you know? They all go hand in hand. You know, people panic like, well, what am I going to, I don't know what to post on social media. Well, hey, if you're out in the community doing the community things, you could be at one meeting and take 10 photos and no one's going to know if you were at that meeting that day or a week later. So you can use all of those photos consistently. Or if you're cold calling and you're getting people shutting you down, you can start taking notes of, hey, this is why I was shut down or this is what they didn't understand. Let me create a blog post about it or let me create a, hey, do you, do you understand the difference between comp and collision? Like we, we insurance agents, which I am one of them, we overcomplicate things. Some people don't know what a deductible is and that's okay because they're not in insurance. So maybe we should do a post about it and explain it. Like it's, we don't just don't overthink it. <laughs> yeah. I struggle with that too. You get wrapped up in your own knowledge. And you're going to laugh, but I've gotten a significant amount of clients from TikTok and I, I, I don't want to talk about it. Like I'm like this guru of, or whatever. Hey, Googling you. It's, it's a insure with Taylor. And I, I literally just, We'll post and like I did one specifically about our home, our homeowners carriers who don't like certain breeds of dogs. And what are the dogs that these carriers don't like? Because I was getting a lot of calls saying, hey, I have a pit bull or hey, I have a whatever dog. And some of them were on that list. And I was like, look, like it's going to be really hard. So I was getting this back to back. I was like, OK, this is a perfect video. Here's the list of breeds that carriers in California don't like. And I did that video. It didn't get it like what didn't go viral. But I got like four people that called and said, hey, I saw your video on TikTok about dog breeds. I have one of these dogs. What do I do? Or, hey, I have a dog that bit someone. Now they're threatening to like, I, I either have to euthanize the dog or I have to give it away or, you know, and I'm like, okay. So I was able to find a carrier that was okay with it. But I got a lot of people like, hey, I saw that video about dog breeds. And like, I'm really fascinated to hear what carriers you have that are okay with these. And because some of them are good dogs, like, they're, one of them is a Great Danes. I grew up with Great Danes. They're fabulous dogs, but they're on that list. And so, like, we do have a few carriers we can go to that are okay with it. Great Danes are mean? No, they can knock grandma down the steps when they pile drive <laughs> past her to run down. Ah, uh, okay. Because they lean on you and they, yeah, they knock you down. And, Aww. you know, they're good dogs. But, you know, so that's one. It breaks my heart that they would be on a dog <laughs> list anywhere if they're just big old Oh, 100%. <laughs> so, like, so, yeah, and those. And on TikTok, I try to always talk about it in a different way. Like, I'll talk about, okay, you're, you're, this is what you need for renter's insurance because most of the people are probably younger. They're probably renting their first apartment. What do they need to look for for renter's insurance? And then maybe you have to get off your parents' auto insurance. What does that look like? So, but yeah, I just try it all. I, I'm doing a little bit of it all and some of it works, some of it doesn't. And I try not to, I tell other agents that I talk to, like they get really discouraged because a video they post only gets 25 views. And they're like, oh, but I'm like, if 25 people heard me talk about this, I'm happy with it. Like, I'm not trying to be a Kardashian and be famous. Like, I just want to be famous in my little community. So I'm like, if 100 people watch it, I'm happy. And some of them go a little bigger, but, you know. Good if one people likes. <laughs> right. One, one people, one person. 
That's great. Oh my gosh. So lots of fun stuff. <laughs> we're going to run it out of time a little bit. I'm just having so much I know, that fun. That went really fast. I honestly think yeah. we're going to need a, a Taylor part two. I agree. Um, but let's talk a minute. Let's kind of wrap up and find out why you decided to merge your two Instagram profiles together between business and personal. There are reasons for it. So anybody who's thinking like, oh, I feel the pressure to merge my two profiles together. Please don't feel that yeah. pressure. Um, but let's find out why Taylor decided. Yeah, well, the biggest part was I just, it was a lot to handle, like multiple accounts, right? I'm trying to juggle what to what to post on what. And the only things I like, the personal side, I get it. Because a, a lot of people want to keep their kids private or whatever it is. Fortunately, my kids are all over, all over my stuff. We don't share where they go to school or a few other things that like we try to like. They're just so darn cute. <laughs> it's hard not to. I know. <laughs> and, and, and that was a big part of it was like I was getting a lot of people asking for insurance on that page because they were relating to me as a dad and whatever it was. And they're like, Taylor, do you do no. you do homeowners insurance? Right. Like and I'm like, yeah. And, and then I tag my insurance page to like follow me there. And I was just like, I don't know. Like insurance is my life. Like I literally do this every day from like five in, in the morning to eight o'clock at night, I might as well just try to blend the two. So that was really the reason is because I didn't want to manage two. And I thought I can kind of blend the two of my life professionally and personally into one. And my clients can see both sides of me. They could see the professional side, but then they also see me in a t-shirt in the kitchen singing into a whisk with my kids. You know what I mean? And it really kind of showed kind of who I am because I'm not like the traditional agent. I'm full of tattoos. I played drums my entire life. I'm like fairly modern, like, I don't know. So, but I can dress nice and go into a big meeting and talk to business owners. So I, I kind of have both. So I try to blend the two. It's, it's, it's a tough balance, you know? The one thing I did kind of hold back on a little bit was the coverage talk. Makes you feel a, a, a bit like you have multiple personalities at time when you're like, I like being this way and then yeah. I like being that way. And then there's also this person and that person tells me no. <laughs> Absolutely. And then you look this at my reasonable side. <laughs> and then you look at my Instagram and I have my photography page, our agency's page, my personal page, my my professional page. And I'm like, I, I don't want all this. So I was like, I'm gonna have one for me, one YouTube channel for me. I'll have the agency stuff. And I, if I want to keep doing the photography, I'll do it there. So like, I just tried to condense it for my own sanity of trying not to like juggle where to post what, you know? And I did lose some followers on my personal page because they're like, oh, I don't want to hear you talk about insurance. I wanted to see you sing with your kids in the kitchen. And I'm like, okay, I'll still keep doing those. But I'm, I am going to start posting more about my journey of being an agency owner, hopefully sooner, sooner than later. And just documenting that side of it because I'm in this weird spot. Everyone thinks I'm weird for working with my in-laws, but we have a blast together and it's been fun. So I'm trying to like document both sides of it, you know? It takes all kinds to make the world go round. I really appreciate you being here today and speaking with us about like everything. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for having me. I, I've been a big fan. That's why I reached out to you a while back. I was like, maybe if I just ask and I was like, no, I don't think so, but maybe, you know? Do you say you're a big fan? Yeah. Absolutely. I listen to all the insurance content. <laughs> I love you guys. I, I, I listen to you guys all the time. And it, that was one that was the reason why I reached out because I get asked a lot about video and how to do this and how to do that. So I was like, maybe we could do something together. That would, that would be cool. So but I thank you guys for having me on. I really do appreciate it. Yeah, thanks so much for being on. I've re I enjoyed this. Uh, seriously, I'm still trying to process everything in my head because we went from A to X to M to 
Like, which is, ty- which is very, I, it's typical. I mean, I'm not going to lie. We do that all the time, but it's, it's easy to do when you have somebody that's easy to talk to. So, <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you so much for being here. It was great to get to know you. Absolutely. Thanks for hanging out and listening to another Awkward Insurance Conversation. If you haven't already, be sure to join the Awkward Insurance Facebook community. We have an amazing group of people on there. And for more episodes, head over to the National Alliance website at scic.com. Now go forth and be awkward. Toodles. Mm, That's awkward. (laughs) 